You know, sometimes the obvious choice is not the obvious choice, right? Sometimes, uh, how many of you guys like to root for the underdog? How many of you guys like the underdog, right? Yeah, exactly. And um, usually uh, a lot of us that like to root for the underdogs are because we know we're underdogs, right? And so we enjoy that. Um, this morning, we're continuing this conversation about character. Obviously, it's not for you. It's for somebody else that you probably brought with you or uh, need to bring with you. So we're glad that you brought them here with you. If, if today's your first day, by the way, and somebody invited you, this whole series is uh, it's a message on character for your friend. And so um, if you got invited for the first time today, you probably, uh, you probably the, t- the gig's up that uh, you got invited because you need a little bit more character. Um, And you guys can have conversation afterwards at lunch, I'm sure. Um, We're talking about character because here's the thing. Most of us, most of us kind of enter into this dialogue about character and we just, we kind of want to show off our best aspect of character. We want to kind of propose that we have character. And the way that usually goes is you usually compare yourself to somebody that you think has less character. You say, well, I'm not perfect, but I'm doing okay. and, And I have more character than those. And and, and the seat you're sitting in is kind of a dangerous seat, actually, especially if you frequent church a lot. Uh, this is what I mean. If you frequent church a lot, there's, it's, it's kind of a slippery slope. It's easy to get into the, the perspective that, well, I'm, I'm a good person and a moral person. I go to church and, and I have character, you know, and probably other people don't have as much character as, as I do, but, but I have character. And, and you see, that's, that's really not the way God spells it out in his word. In fact, if anything, God picks people like you and I, and he shows himself by, by using people like us. He shows his glory. He shows his kindness. He shows his character by continually using people and, and graciously and gracefully kind of redirecting us as we follow him. And that's what we're going to find out today. Um, we're going to tell a story that I bet most of you have heard of. Some of you even know in detail. And, and I think you'll be surprised. I'm going to kind of, kind of bring out the, the timeline of it. And I think you'll be a little bit surprised because when we jump into the Bible and we read stories about Paul or today we're looking at Abraham, when we do that, a lot of times we kind of give them the rock star view, right? Like, it's like when you look at rock stars, you think, oh man, they're always on stage and, they, and we don't see their life off stage. And when we look at the scriptures, a lot of times we, we give like a rock star interpretation to people like Abraham. We don't think that there's much casual time in their life. You know, we don't see between the moments of grandeur, like when God speaks to him, like we think about Abraham and we're like, yeah, God, God spoke to that guy all the time. We probably got a download from him every morning and, and it just was day in and day out following God perfection. And, and even if we don't overtly think that, we kind of read the scriptures that way. We're going we're gonna to be in a few chapters of the scripture. And in some ways, what I want to highlight is I want to highlight these times off scene, um, off point. We're going to be in Genesis 12 through 18. It's a story of Abraham. And I'll jump into that in a minute. And uh, what I want to encourage you, even if you turn off right now, what I'd really like to encourage you to do is to read these chapters of scripture uh, after you go away from here. Okay. Uh, we're not going to read all of them, and, uh, and I want you to go back and reread it and say, man, is the way Lad told that story, is that really legitimate, okay? Is that really legit, all right? So Genesis 12 through 18, you can follow along in your Bibles, follow along on the screen, or if you have uh, like your phone or whatever, you can do it on version, and the notes for the sermon and everything are in there 
in, uh, in version. all right? I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to get right to work, okay? That Rocky theme song has inspired me, so get warmed up, all right? Shake those shoulders, all right? You ready to go? You ready to work? If you got long sleeves on, roll those things up, because we're going to get to work, all right? God, thank you for your word. Thank you that you teach us. Your Holy Spirit turns the lights on for us of the word. Like, without you, your word says we can't understand that you You make the scriptures come alive in us. And God, we don't want to hear a good story this morning. We don't want to hear good points of an idea. We want to hear from you. So would you illuminate the scriptures to us? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So um, actually going to start with... uh, Romans 3. In Romans 3, Paul kind of recounts the psalmist. And when we're talking about character and kind of our direction in life, this is, this is what God says over and over about us. In Romans 3, it rolls out like this in verse uh, 10 through 12. It says, As the scriptures say, no one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away and become useless. Not, no one does good, not a single one. Okay, so the psalm says this, and Paul just re-says it. On our own, we will always go away from the story that God has for us, the, the plan that God has for us, the call. We will always go the opposite direction. We will always go a way that seems right to us. It doesn't seem, and, and you, guys, you guys know this. Like, um, there's, it, it seems like we are so prone to, to get off. Like, you, uh, have you ever been in the middle of a day, and you're kind of feeling good, and you just get to work, and somebody says, man, are, are you... F- are you okay? And you say, well, what do you mean? And say, well, man, you just don't look right. You don't look yourself. And then if a second person says, are you feeling okay today? Like even if you started the day feeling good and on the right track, like you're taking cold medicine, NyQuil by 10 o'clock in the morning, right? You're like, I got to go to the store. I got to get, have you ever seen how someone else can direct you just in an entire opposite direction than your day planned? And God says, on our own, we just, we get all out of track with his story for us. Uh, God is going to speak to Abraham, and he has a story for Abraham. We're going to see how, how he struggles to stay on point, to stay in the plot. And, and we start there. And so when we talk about character, we aren't here because, like, we have such great character, and God chose the best people. Actually, what we're going to see in Abraham, what we're going to see in your life and my life is that God chose us and it's like through regular pursuit of him, through regular engagement, through rubbing shoulders with God, he changes our character and we become more and more people of God, the character in the process, right? We don't, we don't put on our suit and clean up and come to God and okay, now that we have character, you and I can have a relationship. The point is exactly the opposite. God is, is great, has great, great character and love and graciousness for us. And he calls us, and through rubbing shoulders with him, we, uh, we develop some of his character. So we're going to jump right in. Abraham, 75 years old when, when he comes on the scene. There's a few players in this cast, uh, cast of characters today. And I want to show this, so that put those up there so that we can all get on the same page of the story. If you don't know the story of Abraham, um, here's how it goes. First, the first guy on the scene um, in chapter 18 when we get there is the, the Lord. Um, he is the almighty God creator of everything and everyone. Abraham has an alias of Abram, okay? That's his birth name for 70, uh, for, for the first actually 100 years of his life, he is Abram. And, um, and so his name is Abraham. He's the guy, Sarah, all, previously known as Sarai. She's the girl, okay? 
Hagar is Sarai's employee. Okay, Ishmael is Abram and Hagar's son. So there's tension in the plot already. Okay, we haven't even got to it yet. And, uh, and then three strangers. Okay, there's three strangers who are going to come. And uh, they are Almighty God, the creator of everything and everyone. Okay, so leave that up there for a second. And uh, that is the cast of characters. That's where we're going. And we are going to look at this story that's probably a little bit longer than, than you perceived at first. We're going to start in chapter 12 of Genesis, and God comes to uh, Abram, and he says this. Abram's living in his hometown called Ur. He grew up in, in Ur, lived there his whole life. And in chapter 12, here's what he says in verses 1 and 2. Uh, the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, your father's household, and the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. Okay? God comes to him and, and he just says, I want you to move. I want you to go to a place that I'm going to show you. They pack their bags for a place they didn't know the end destination. Okay? They packed their bags and they went in that direction. And Abram was 75 years old and really all God called him to do was to leave your family and go to a new place and do life there. Okay, that basically is the heart of what God asked him to do. I know, because I've talked to so many of you, there's many of you with that same story. Uh, I know some of you who got uh, transferred here for like a short-term gig, right? For like a six-month thing. I can't tell you how many times I've heard this. Or I got a job here and I never thought I'd live there. Or I came here for military and I, I kind of liked it, but I didn't really envision myself ever staying here. But somewhere along the line, God called me here, and I know that I'm supposed to kind of do life here. I don't really know exactly what that's about, but some of you are in the middle of what Abraham was in. Uh, some of you more overtly moved here, um, like the group of 35 people. Seven, uh, almost eight years ago now, a group of 35 people moved here to start this church from a different church in Detroit, right? They moved here on purpose to be, and what we find is that Abram was simply called to follow God, and he took that step. And character kind of grows that way. You kind of take steps with God and, and you see him start to change you. And so Abram takes that step and he follows him. He's 75 years old. There's a number of things that happen, but he's there for a while and a, and a drought breaks out. A couple years into it, there's a drought. So they move down to Egypt. And they move to Egypt, and uh, that's evidently where they start because Hagar is from Egypt, and so they take on employees and they do business well down there. And... Um, they're down there for a while. It, it's one of the places where Abram's, uh, his imperfections come out, right? He, they're approaching the land as they move down there, and he says to his wife, hey, you're still hot, and these guys are going to kill me and marry you. And so even though she was older, he said, man, I, my life is on the line because you're so valuable. And so let's lie, because you're so valuable, let's lie and we'll say that you're my sister and I'll give you to the king as a wife, right? And it goes down bad that way. And, um, and God still blesses him even with imperfections. Some of you, you know God's called you to stuff and there's tons of imperfections in the way. You might be exactly like Abram. You might be like a snake in the grass kind of guy that you know God has called you and, and yet there's still stuff that's getting worked out. And, and this stuff about lying, Abram is that guy. He gives his wife away to save his own skin. It's like, God, how does that work out? How do you use people like that? How do you use me? Because pretty soon, Abram looks a lot like me in the mirror. The less I try to pretend and hold up this fake character and, 
And the more I'm just real with the fact that God has been so gracious with me. And character develops. Um, here's, here's the interesting thing. Again, I said we tend to gloss over the story. We read these things. And it's like, wow, God speaks right to him. I wish God spoke to me. And, um, and you find out that nine, year, nine years goes by, excuse me, before God talks to Abram again. Nine years. Like he left Ur. They traveled hundreds of miles. They relocated their family. It's nine years before God shows up again. They actually move back from Egypt. They come and uh, he's got his nephew with him. And he says, listen, our families are too big. Our estates are too big. Our farms are too plentiful. Um, you go one way, I'll go the other. You choose which way. And so Abraham, uh, Lot chooses first and Lot's the nephew. And he goes a different direction, really fertile grounds. And, and Abraham says, okay, I'll take all of this. And it's kind of modern day Israel and the whole Palestinian area. He goes, I'll take this spot. And... Um, and God comes to him and he speaks to him. And here's what he says in chapter 13 of Genesis. After Lot had gone, uh, the Lord said to Abram, he said, this is in chapter 13, verses 14 through 17. Look as far as you can see in every direction, north and south, east and west. I'm giving all this land as far as you can see to your descendants as a permanent possession. Okay, and he just says, look as far as you can see. You're going to have lots of descendants, and I'm giving it to you. This is nine years after he first called him into it. And, and so what, what he does is he says, okay, God, let's do it. He said, here's a problem. I don't have any kids. I still don't have any kids. I'm 84 years old now. My wife is in her 70s. We don't have any children. What do we do? And he says, listen, you're going to have, you're going to have kids. Actually, in chapter 15, uh, as they go back and forth about it, in chapter 15, it says, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision in, verse, in chapter 15, verse 1. He says, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. Because he was afraid, here's, Abram was afraid that this wasn't going to happen, that what God said wasn't going to happen he said, Sovereign Lord, what can you do since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my state is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, You've given me no children, so a servant, will, a servant in my household will be my heir. Verse 4, Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son who's your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. And he said to them, So, you, so shall your offspring be. And Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. And so Abram just says to God, I'm scared that what you've said isn't going to happen. I'm scared that what you have told me and called me to isn't possible. I still don't have kids. Okay? And God says, it's not going to be your servant. It's going to be you. And so probably what they did is what you and I would do is we'd really try, okay, God, I'm excited about this and we're going to make this happen. And he and Sarah probably tried to have a baby again. I don't know if you have gone through a season in your, your marriage of, of not being able to have kids or barrenness as it's called. I don't know if you've gone through that. That's a really, really painful thing. They probably tried while Sarah, Sarah was young, probably into her 30s. They were still trying and praying and hoping. Um, most people try to figure out, is there something wrong with me? God, why have you cursed me? Why have you abandoned me? This is Abraham, the father of all of Judaism and Christianity, and, and we're going to find out all of Islam as well. And he's the father of many nations. And no doubt they said, God, have you abandoned me? Like you've called me, but are you going to come through? Because this doesn't seem like it can happen. How many of you feel like you, 
you know that God has called you to something and, and you just don't feel like it can happen. There's just no way. And you're, you're tempted to just say, God, I'm out on this. I'm out on your plan for me. And so God said, it's not going to be your servant. It's going to be your son. And so at 84 years of age, Abram says, okay, God, I believe you. And what it says is that God credited that to him as righteousness. It doesn't say that he had such great character and he performed so well that God called him righteous because he was righteous. It's actually said, okay, God, I'm having a hard time believing, but I will believe you. Okay? And so what did they do? They said, okay, let's do it. And and no doubt they, they tried to have a kid. He and Sarah went again and tried to have a baby. And that probably lasted for a few months. How many of you have, have known what God's called you to? Maybe it's in a relationship. Maybe it's in your life. Maybe it's with your finances. Maybe it's you feel like God's leading you to something. And you say, okay, let's do it. And you make a new spreadsheet. And this is the way we're going to get it done. And you try really hard and you're waiting on him. And, and a couple months later, it feels like you've been doing this forever. And God isn't showing up. God's not showing up. I did my part. God, where are you? And so evidently a couple months into it, they decide, obviously God didn't mean with me Sarai. Obviously he's going to do this a different way. And so kind of the whole world at that time was polygamist. And, and even though that isn't what God said from the start, they said, well, let's kind of do what the world says. I've got this servant, Hagar, I've got this employee and let's, Let's go ahead and let's marry her and bring her into our family. And, you know, she can kind of have our kids and we'll, we'll do it that way, you know. And, you know, it's what the world does. Let's get this thing done. It's so tempting when God calls you to something to get it done the world's way. It just always is. God, I'm waiting here forever. Are you ever going to show up? And the shortcut is always, always tempting. Maybe, maybe God's called you to, um, maybe you feel like God's called you to marriage. You're not married yet and you want to get married and you feel like you've been waiting forever. It's like there are no godly people here suited. I can't find any of them anywhere. But God, I know you're calling me to marriage and I know that I want it and it won't go away and I feel like I'm going to be a mom and a, a, a wife someday and... And it's so easy. The world says, well, just, just make it happen. Just move in with a guy. He'll let you move in with him. Just sleep with the guy. Just do it the way the world does. And, and Abram and Sarah, they said, God, we've waited long enough. You're not showing up. We are going to do it our way. And so, sure enough, Hagar has a son. His name's Ishmael. And right away, there's tons of conflict in the family. There just is. And, and you can read that whole thing in the end of 15 and 16 and what happens with, with that situation. But God said, I'm going to bless your offspring greatly. And God actually blesses Ishmael greatly. He is the father of all of the Islamic nations. And God blesses greatly the Islamic nations. Okay, that might be, uh, that might be something that comes as a surprise to you. Check that out in 16. The reason that they are so blessed is because God blessed them as the son of Abram. And he comes back to him. 13 years later. Do you know that God doesn't show up for another 13 years? 13 years goes by. Ishmael is a teenager. God spoke to him. He said, Abram, I want you to trust me. It's going to be your son. Abram does it his way. And he doesn't hear from God for 13 years. 
13 years. That is a lot of living. We want stuff now. We, I, I don't know about you, but I want stuff now. I don't want my phone to be slow, much less God. We want stuff now. And 13 years later, God comes to Abram. And do you know what he says when he comes to him? He says, I love you, and I'm going to make many great nations out of you. Your descendants are going to be innumerable. He says the exact same thing. Have you ever had this situation where you know God's called you to something, and, and you kind of put it on the shelf? Like you're hot on it for a while, and you put it on the shelf, and God comes back to you, and, and he's, he's still on the same subject? Over and over, God comes back graciously and he says, Abram, I'm going to make a great nation. This is what he, uh, this is what he says to him uh, in, chapter, in chapter 17. He comes to him and uh, he says, hey, I'm going to give you a son. He said, I know, my son Ishmael, right? My son Ishmael, he's 13 now. This is the one. And he says, no, I told you that I'm going to give you a son. And it's going to be through Sarai. And his name is going to be Isaac. And he's going to be the father of the nation. I'm going to work out my covenant with you. And, and here's what he says in Genesis 17, verses 21 through 23. He says this. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. And when he had finished speaking to Abram, God went up from him. That's right at the end of this vision that God gives him. And he says, let's enter into an agreement. And the way they entered into agreement was they kind of, they put this offering and they walk through arm in arm is the way they culturally would have done an agreement. They'd walk through the, the offering arm in arm and God puts Abram into a deep sleep and God goes through the offering on his own. And here's what he says. This is called the Abrahamic covenant. This is, he says, I am going to commit myself to you no matter what your character is. I'm going to commit myself to you no matter what you do. I am going to commit myself to you because I am faithful. It doesn't matter whether you are faithful or not. And then he says, I want you to be faithful. He goes, but I am committing myself to you. And he says, there's three ways that I want you to walk out this covenant that we're in together. I'm committed to you. Three things. First of all, your name is now changed. You were Abram. You're going to be Abraham. They add an H to it and he becomes the father of many nations. Sarai goes from being mother to mother of many nations with an H. So if you added an H to my name, it'd be like Chlad or uh, Ladha, or I was trying to figure out a good way to do that. Um, but I would not just be like a, a young, good looking boy. I'd be many young, good-looking boys. And so I don't know how that would work, but, but anyways, if you add an H, it means the father of many nations. And so here's what he says. He says, I want you to change your names to Abraham and Sarah. I want you to circumcise yourself and all the men in your, all the, all your son, Ishmael, and all the men in your family and all of your servants. And I want you to tell Sarah that she's going to have a son in about a year. And, and so it says, on that very day, this is what it says, on that very day, this is uh, 1723, it says, on that very day, he went and did it. He actually circumcised himself and all the men in his household that day. And, and it says that they use their new names. They are forever using Abraham and Sarah from that point forward. And we get to chapter 18. And if you read through in chapter 18, you find Abram and he's sitting 
um, as retired guys do, older guys do. You ever drive down the street like after the, the coffee hour and the lawn cutting hour are over? Um, it's like 11 in the morning. It's approaching the heat of the day. And where are the older guys, if they don't have air conditioning or if they're still outside, where are they sitting? They're sitting, typically, in a lawn chair right at the edge of the garage door, right? Right inside the shade. Do you know why they sit there? Because it is the coolest place outside. There's a little bit of airflow in and out, and you're in the shade. Deeper in the garage, is there airflow? No. And, and God tells us very specifically that Abram is sitting in the door of his tent. And he's in the heat of the day. You know, so much of life, of character, is hearing from God and then remembering God through all of those dry, long moments of sitting through the heat of the day in the door to your tent. Remembering what he said and following through with what he's called us to. And Abraham is sitting here. And off in the distance, he sees some dust. And then he realizes there are three very important looking men. And he gets up and he runs out to him and he says, hey, man, there's nothing in this area. And can I make lunch for you? You guys are important guys. He calls them sir. And he says, I, I really, I sense that you're important. Let me make lunch for you. And he goes back and he kills the fattened calf and they literally butcher it. And they make 36 pounds of bread, which I don't know how long it t- takes to make, but they make a ton of food, right? They probably just cut the back straps off the cow and, and go ahead and cook it up. And they've got this meal, but it probably took hours. And they, they cook this meal for these men and they eat and there's still no dialogue. And Abram is sitting and waiting and they finish and they're relaxed. And, and in chapter 18, um, here's what happens. It says, the Lord, now we're the reader and so we can, we can read this. Uh, this is in chapter 18, verse 13. He says, then the Lord said to Abram, uh, Oh, sorry, let me get right back to that. So the Lord, the Lord is sitting there, and um, these three men, and he doesn't know they're the Lord yet, and what, what happens is, is they ask him a question. The first thing out of their mouth, they say, Abraham, where is your wife, Sarah? Where's your wife, Sarah? It's an odd question to start with. These three men have come, and they've done all this pomp and circumstance, and this great meal, and, and he says, where's your wife, Sarah? And immediately Abraham's ears perk up because these strangers have called his wife by her brand new name. She's been known for 90 years as Sarai and they call her Sarah. He's never laid eyes on them before. And instantly he knows this is the Lord. So you remember God called Abraham when he was 75 and he spoke to him again when he was 84. And then when he was 99, God said, I am giving my covenant to you and I want you to trust me, and I want you to have a son with Sarah. And they said, where's Sarah? And the only thing he says is, she's in the tent. And they go on to say what God said the last time he interacted with Abram. He said, in about a year, your wife Sarah is going to have a son. You see, when when God made the covenant with Abraham, he, he said, in about a year, your wife's going to have a son. And what he says in chapter 18, when the three visitors come, he says, in about a year, your wife is going to have a son. You see, God spoke to him when he was 75, when he was 84, when he was 99, and then about three weeks later, he came back again. 
totally different than any other time. And God graciously comes to Abram and says, your wife is going to have a son. And what does Sarah do? She laughs out loud. She, she just laughs. It says she laughs to herself and she's in the tent. And, um, and in, verse eight, in verse 13, the Lord says to Abram, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, well, I really have a child now that I am old? And in verse 14, is anything too hard for the Lord? Who's he speaking to? He's speaking to Abraham. Abraham, is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. Most people blame Sarah. Most people say the Lord comes to discipline Sarah at this point. And I think they're totally wrong. See, Abraham did what was very easy on that day. Circumcision, no problem. We can do it. We'll recover, no problem. Change names, no problem. God, do you really mean to tell me that at 90 years old, I need to tell this woman again to open herself up to the idea that she can have kids? There's been nothing more painful in their entire story than Sarah's barrenness and the hopes that they would have a kid and the hopes that they would have a child. And God says this, he says, trust me. And he comes back and he says, Abraham, is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard? And God graciously comes and says, I want you to trust me. In your life, um, God is the same way. God's the, it's the same way to have a relationship with him, just like Abraham, to believe what he says. And God counts it to us as righteousness. When we believe in his son, Jesus, he counts the righteousness of Christ to us. It's the exact same way here. When you and I are called by God to follow him and to have character and to follow him, God graciously, graciously will come to us and encourage us, even with the stuff that's hard. What in your life has God called you to that is so, so hard? What has God called you to that you know that he wants you to do? But it's just, it's like, God, I cannot see how that could ever happen. Because that's what God called Abraham and Sarah to. And when Abraham faltered, God graciously came and had a meal with him and said, trust me. I really, really want you to trust me. It might be in a relationship. It might be showing love to someone who's hurt you, your ex-spouse or your, or your parents that abandoned you. Or How is God calling you to trust him, to follow him, even though it's hard? We're going to continue in worship. And, and it's my prayer that as you worship, that you would say, God, I know that, you, I know that you've called me. I know that you want something for me. I'm open to hear, and I want to continue to know what you're, you're calling me into. God, thank you for this morning, and thanks for Abraham. God, thanks that you, you don't show us a picture of only perfect people, but that you choose, you choose people who are, are broken and scarred, and that you lift us up, and that you work, God, through your love and your character. You change us. We give you thanks. And we worship you now in Jesus' name.